From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. The last time Symphonia Salt Lake was here, they were a brand new group just about to play their premiere performance. Turns out that concert was a hit, and now they're back with all new music, a new season, this time with a theme, music inspired by royalty. In other words, we're giving you a show fit for a king, or a queen, or at least a dauphin or two. Symphonia Salt Lake players with us today are the conductor Robert Baldwin, violin Leslie Henry, Marcel Bowman, and Micah Fleming, violist Leslie Richard and Emily Brown, cellist Cassie Olson, bass Denson Angulo, and oboes Luca Florin and Hilary Kuhn. We've spoken to some of them before, and we'll introduce new members of the ensemble today. Our first piece is a rare piece indeed, an entire symphony written to get the prince to let the musicians leave the summer palace and visit their families. During the finale of this symphony, the score instructs the musicians one by one to snuff out the candle on their stand and leave. Eventually, only two violinists were left, one of them, in this case the composer, Josef Haydn himself, looking the prince right in the eye as he played those final notes. Thus the curious fading out of the instruments one by one. Let's hear the first movement and the finale, played now by Symphonia Salt Lake from Symphony No. 45, known as the Farewell Symphony.
Excerpts from Symphony Number no. 45, the Farewell Symphony by Franz Josef Haydn, first movement and the finale. And the rest of the story is that with just those two musicians there, uh, they nodded, they left, and the hint was taken. The next morning, the prince ordered everybody to pack up and go home. Can you imagine the power of those musicians they felt at that moment the next day the carriages were packed and they got to go home and see their families either that or they all would have been fired that's right you, you mentioned that haydn looked at the prince i'm not sure every musician did as they were leaving the stage <laughs> i'm speaking with dr robert baldwin conductor of symphonia salt lake here in the studio today he's also director of orchestras and professor of conducting at the university of utah i have to ask that that is an unusual key f sharp F sharp major or F sharp minor, it ends in F sharp major, but F sharp minor was not used by any composer for any symphony from Haydn, Mozart, Beethoven, or any of their contemporaries. It's such an unusual key. It was considered too stormy, too personal of a key. Interesting. And maybe Haydn had something to do by picking that too. Maybe he shocked the prince a little bit by choosing that key. So F sharp, uh, strings usually don't mind playing sharps, but why is that so different from it being in G flat? Well, the, the difference is that everything gets sharped, including your open strings, especially when you go to the end and you've got F sharp major. And so there are no open strings left at the end. And so everything <laughs> has to be covered and you have to remember it when you see the notes as well. It's an unusual key signature, six sharps at the end. One more question musically, because this is an interesting combination of instruments. There are two oboes, no flutes. Right. Um, that was actually probably what Haydn had. You know, they uh, went out on this, this summer palace and they took the, the musicians that they took. They didn't take everyone. They just took two oboes, a couple of horn players, maybe a bassoon, and then the strings, and probably a harpsichord in a carriage somewhere that Haydn himself also played. But that's all that they had for this, these middle period symphonies that he wrote. Interesting. Well, we're going to feature our two oboes today. We're going to talk to them later in the program. So all of these works that you're preparing for this up an upcoming concert for your current season and playing for us today have a royal connection. Yeah, it was kind of funny. When we started put, putting things together, we realized we wanted to do the Haydn, and the handle fit in really well with the instrumentation as well. And then we thought, well, they were each written for royalty, and then the rest of the program just sort of blossomed from there. So next is something from Henry Purcell. How does this have the royal connection? Well, this was written for the court of Charles II of England. And uh, Henry Purcell was only 18 years old when he got an, a promotion, so to say. He became the composer of the 24, the king's 24 violins. And he had to prove himself could he write a piece of music as well, something that was worthy of his position. Mm. And this was a piece he wrote when he was only 18 years old. Interesting. And of course, he succeeded wildly and was the court composer for, I think, the rest of his life. Yes, yes. He died quite young. It's quite, quite tragic. You wonder what, what he would have given us had he not died so young. Mm. Well, let's hear this piece. It's by Henry Purcell. It's Shaconi in G minor. And if you're thinking Shaconi, yes, it's never been used that way in any other title. It's always a Chacon. We don't know if this was a typo. Purcell just ran out of ink and didn't finish the word, or if he thought he'd come up with a cool new phrase. It never caught on. But the music did. So let's hear this uh, in G minor by Henry Purcell.
The ensemble is Sinfonia Salt Lake, playing live here in Studio 6 at BYU Broadcasting. We just heard Henry Purcell's Chaconi in G minor. Dr. Leslie Henry is the concertmaster for Sinfonia Salt Lake and president of the organization. Leslie, thank you for coming and playing. Thanks so much for having us. Now, if I understand correctly, you played for some of the same music for a group of school kids today. We did. It was a really, really neat experience. We played at the uh, Utah International Charter School, and these are uh, kids from pretty much all walks of life and all um, different places in the world, and many of them, all of them, English is their second language, and many of mm. them have never even seen a violin before or heard, or heard it, so it was really fun, really so special. So what, what did they think when they suddenly saw and heard these instruments? You know, they were one of the most enthusiastic crowds I've ever played for. They were, <laughs> um, you know, they were so appreciative. They whistled and cheered. I mean, I, I want that I want to plant them in every audience for every <laughs> concert that we have because they were just so fun and their faces just lit up. I mean, we just we did some, you know, instrument dem demonstrations to them and I mean, they just cheered and loved it. I I've never you know, very rarely do you play for such an appreciative audience, and it was very fun. That's interesting. Last year, your premier concert was connected with a benefit for the food bank. Yes, it so was. Has that service element from the beginning been? A, a planned thing, or did that just kind of happen? No, you know, it really was. When when a few of us sat down over a year ago to kind of start brainstorming to do this, that was one of the things we wanted to have that set us apart from, um, you know, other or arts organizations. We wanted to be a, a group that gave back to the community that was involved in our community, especially underserved areas in our community, and th that's been a goal of ours from the start, and I think we're, we're having a really good time doing that. Nice to hear that that concert went so well. That must have been amazing. It was. It was Now, really we fun. understand at an upcoming concert that you will be revealing the new season. We are. To those who come. And is that like your lips are sealed? You can't even whisper? Or... Yes. Rob <laughs> gave us a confidential message the other day at our meeting. No, I, I, I think we can... I think we can reveal a little bit of I'm looking at him trying to get the, the okay to see that's okay. But we have a, a really incredible season coming up next year. We have um, concerts almost every month. We usually plan on maybe four per year, but we've got a couple extras that, that uh, we weren't planning on. But people have you know hired us and heard the buzz is out. Nice. And so let me check my sources because... We were looking at blogs, including Dr. Baldwin's, and there was this little interchange talking about death and the maiden. And should we wear costumes or not? You know, I that that's definitely something that we have talked about that might be kind of fun for, for Halloween. But yeah, definitely uh, death and the maiden is, is one of the pieces we're planning on okay. doing. For, well, we can trust the blog then. Yep. Okay. Especially if it's Dr. Baldwin's blog, we probably should trust that. Thank you. Let's hear some more beautiful music. This is, in fact, William Walton, British composer. He wrote a lot of music for royalty. One of his best-known pieces, March Imperial, was for a coronation of King George, and then, and then it was going to be used for Edward, who abdicated, and so it was then used for the current Queen of England, Elizabeth II. Most recently, about 2011, we heard that very march for the marriage of one Prince William and Kate Middleton. Among other things, he wrote for some fictional royalty, and The Death of Falstaff is the piece we're about to hear. This is film music to Henry V by composer William Walton, the Pasacalia.
Music from the 1944 film Henry V, Pasakalia, The Death of Falstaff. So nice to hear those low strings. Uh, often you hear them humming on a pedal tone, but in that case, we got to hear the bass and the cello and occasionally the viola really kind of growling on some of that. Very satisfying music to hear. We're chatting with our oboe players today. Hilary Kuhn is an oboist. Uh, You'd spent a lot of time at summer music camps, the Aspen Music Festival, University of Colorado Boulder. You have a bachelor's in music and in math. And then just for fun, you have a graduate degree in behavioral genetics on this <laughs> side. Do you ever sleep? Uh, occasionally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about playing the oboe in an ensemble, because whether it's a full orchestra or a, a, a chamber group like this, mm -hmm. there's never too many oboes. That's true. So uh, playing the oboe is a, a true pleasure, and it's it's my lifelong addiction. Um, and the reason that you don't have too many oboes is that it's a very soloistic instrument. Mm -hmm. um, we actually, uh, Luca and I, get to play some wonderful duets, so it works very well that way as well. But a very large uh, group of oboes might sound um, a bit interesting. So, <laughs> so a strong flavor, yes. maybe. And when did you first decide, oboe is for me? Oh, I, I started playing the oboe um, going on 40 years ago now, a long time ago. Uh, I love the sound. It's a beautiful instrument, um, very close to the human voice. Hmm. Uh, and it, it just has a very poignant sound. Uh, we get a lot of very beautiful melodies in, in orchestral literature, and I, I enjoy that very much. Our research tells us you have made at least 3,000 reads by oh hand God. in your lifetime. <laughs> at least that. <laughs> <laughs> so is this something you, you dream of at night? You're, you're tying reeds, you're whittling, you're sha shaving the bamboo? or? Uh, I don't dream about it. Maybe nightmares. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, making reeds is one of the, the things that you need to do as an oboe player. Um, they don't last very long, maybe a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a challenge, and it's um, it's a pleasure also to have so much control over your own sound. One last question. Did you ever make a read and play and think, this is the best ever. I'm saving it for, I don't know, whatever occasion, when I play for the king. I never save <laughs> reads. I, my, my life motto is I always play my best read. Always, mm. always. Um, and occasionally I have great reads, not very often. <laughs> <laughs> Hilary Kuhn, oboist here with Symphonia Salt Lake. Thank you for speaking you. with us. And we're also speaking with Luca Florin, and interesting because uh, both Handel and some of these other other musicians for the, the music we're hearing today did choose to have two oboes. And uh, I was talking beforehand, it sounds like for the water music, it's probably because it was louder than a flute. Does that sound right to you? Absolutely. In fact, um, if you go onto YouTube, you can find a link of a Baroque orchestra, chamber orchestra, playing the BBC proms, and there's countless oboes and bassoons playing there. So that's a very unique uh, sound mm. that you'll hear. Very different than our version with just the two oboes. But uh, the timbre is completely different than that of a flute. Flute, you have very light. You have an airy sound. Mm -hmm. Now we have the reeds, the double reed of the oboe. Um, gives you kind of a little bit more of an aggressive sound. But bit. still can be dainty in some of the movements that you like. Well, hear. we're going to be hearing, hearing some of the water music. And I picture if the king is floating in his well-appointed barge, and if you're one of the 50 musicians crammed in the following barge, they want it to 
That sounds like the right instruments to carry over the water. Absolutely. In fact, I played once on a lake, and um, it could be heard miles away on an island. You could probably so. also do <laughs> duck calls, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just mean, take purpose. the reeds off <laughs> and play the reed. <laughs> okay. Uh, final question. How do you, I have to ask because you have such a great name, Luca Florin. <laughs> And that, that's one of the countries in The Princess Bride. Oh, okay. Okay, is this news to you or is this... That is news to me. Okay, well, you need to watch this because it's Florin and Gilder, and it's very important to know which side you're on. So, yeah. okay, I was just checking. <laughs> so, Luca Florin, thank you very yep. much for coming and being one of these two featured oboists today. We are now going to hear the selection from the water music of the orchestra. We're going to give you a moment to tune. And so while they're tuning, I'm just going to mention, some of you already know this, but there's a reason why it's called the water music. Are we okay? Oh, uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and tune. But the water music actually worked out better than the royal fireworks music in some cases because the dress rehearsal for the royal fireworks music, they used fireworks, and they actually burned down the building they had built for the occasion. So when it came time to actually perform, they had to change venues. No problem like that with the water music. The other thing is you'll notice there's no timpani because you couldn't fit the kettle drum in the barge with all the musicians. I'm picturing them all ducking each other's bows as they sawed away. We are so lucky to hear selections from the water music from 1717. Suite number one, we'll hear, we're going to hear parts of five different movements and the finale performed by Symphonia Salt Lake, directed by Dr. Robert Baldwin.
Selections from the Water Music Suite Number no. 1 by George Frederick Handel. The first and second movements, Overture, Adagio, also Air, Boray, and Hornpipe, and excerpts from the finale. All of that right here, live from our recording studio and our broadcast studio number six here at BYU Broadcasting. Symphonia Salt Lake, more information about their latest concerts and projects available online at symphoniasaltlake.com. Dr. Baldwin and all of the players, thank you so much for coming and playing for us today. Our guests have been the conductor, Robert Baldwin, Leslie Henry, Marcel Bowman, and Micah Fleming, violin, violist Leslie Richards and Emily Brown, Cassie Olson, cello, Denson Angulo, bass, and we heard and spoke with Luca Florin and Hilary Kuhn, oboists. If you're listening at home or just caught part of the show or would like to hear, hear it again or share it, you can do that easily. All of our shows are archived online for free on-demand listening at byuradio.org slash highway89. Also follow us on Twitter at BYUH89 for live show updates and special behind-the-scenes photos and video clips. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting in Provo, Utah. Our recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our film assistant is Abby Horlocker. And our show's producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening. 